Section 21 of Loss of the Sultana by Chester D. Berry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 21. A. C. Brown. I was born in Clermont County, Ohio, on the 24th of November, 1838, enlisted in the service of the United States on the 3rd of September, 1861, in Company I, 2nd Ohio Volunteer Infantry, and served in the 1st Brigade of 1st Division of the 14th Army Corps, Army of the Cumberland. While in command of my company at the Battle of Chickamauga, September 20, 1863, was taken prisoner, had already served over two years of active service, was taken from the battlefield to Belle Isle, which is in the middle of the James River, opposite Richmond, Virginia, remained on the island but a short time, and was then transferred to Smith's Building opposite Libby Prison in Richmond. In this prison we had the best fare while in the so-called Southern Confederacy. They gave us all the mule meat we could eat. The guards around this prison were not unlike those that were on duty at many others, always watching for an excuse to kill a Yank, and, as many of the guards had never been to the front, and were not likely to be sent there, as they were too cowardly to be trusted, their only chance to kill a Yank was to take one of us that was unarmed and shut up in a building where the Yank could not even get at him with his fist. It was only when they were sure that they were out of harm's way that they had the bravery to shoot one of us. Our boys had noticed that some of the guards wanted to immortalize their name by killing one of us, so we concluded to test their marksmanship. Late at night, when most of the boys were asleep, we would raise the window and present the yank that was to be sacrificed in order that the guard, who was exposed to the dews and nightfall, might get a furlough and go home for his health. This, I believe, was the order at all the prisons, that if one of us was shot for breaking the rules, the guard that did the shooting was furloughed. As soon as the yank would appear at the window, the boys would commence to tantalize the guard to get him to shoot. Bang would go the gun, and the yank would fall back, pierced by ball and buckshot. We did not have much trouble to stop the blood, as the supposed yank was a broomstick, with a piece nailed across to represent arms, clothed in blouse and cap. So the name Yank would immediately appear in the window, and call in question the marksmanship of the guard. Of course, such performances would alarm the rest of the guards, and there would be detail made to double the guard for the rest of the night. Many instances of my prison life might be referred to which were similar to that. After two months at Richmond, by which time they had to commence eating the mule meat themselves, we were taken to Danville, Virginia, where they had the riot last fall, and the darkies killed so many of the white people. We were kept at Danville the balance of the winter of 1863 and 1864, and in the spring of the latter year were taken to Andersonville, Georgia, where I was introduced to Captain Wirtz, April 18th. On our arrival here, I told my comrades that we were in for the war. This proved to be the fact. I was kept here until the 18th of March, 1865, 
which made my stay at Andersonville eleven months to a day, and a little over nineteen months a prisoner of war. The records at Washington show that over a hundred and eighty thousand of our soldiers were captured and imprisoned during the war, and only about twenty-five or thirty thousand are now supposed to be living. We left Andersonville on the 18th of March, 1865, destination unknown to us. Of course, as it was on all occasions, when we were being transported from one prison to another, we were going to be exchanged. We started south, and finally, after traveling by railroad, river, and on foot, we came to Big Black River, twelve or fifteen, eight, miles from Vicksburg, and were here paroled. The conditions admitted of our sanitary commission feeding and clothing us, but we were to remain under control of the Confederate major until legally exchanged. While here I was called upon by the agent of the Southern Express Company at Vicksburg, who informed me that he had received a dispatch from the superintendent of the Adams Express Company at Cincinnati, Ohio, requesting him to render me any assistance I required in cash or otherwise. I requested that the agent would kindly return my thanks to those of my friends North who had so kindly remembered me and my sufferings, and all the favor I asked was when we were to be sent North that cabin passage be procured for me. It was while here in camp that word came of the assassination of our beloved president, Abraham Lincoln. Our Confederate major concluded that it was not a healthy place for him and deserted us. So I am still on parole, having never been exchanged. A train was sent for us, and we were shipped to Vicksburg. When marching from the train to the wharf, and when near the boat, I saw my friend, the express agent, awaiting me on the cabin deck. I stepped on the ill-fated steamer and was introduced to the first clerk when I was informed that my fare was paid to Cairo. The express agent, after wishing me a safe trip, bade me good-bye and went uptown. It was now about eleven o'clock. I soon sat down to dinner. You can imagine the contrast between sitting down at a table filled with all the substantials and pastry in the finely furnished cabin of a steamer compared with the surroundings and fare at Andersonville. After eating a very light meal of the plainest food on the table, I helped myself to more than some would think proper under different circumstances, and carried out to my comrades quite an armful of victuals. I found them going for the hardtack and Lincoln coffee with a relish. A happier crowd I never saw. We all felt that a few more hours would land us at home, where anxious friends were awaiting our return. Our names had already been forwarded by telegraph to the press north, and many hearts were made light by the prospect of meeting a son, a husband, brother, or sweetheart. It is well, my friends, that we cannot see into the future. Little did this happy throng know what awaited it, that in a few more hours some were to be roasted, yes, burned to death, while others would be struggling with the waves only to sink, to rise no more. Many the tears I have shed in remembrance of this doubly sad calamity. 
after my comrades had faced the leaden hail had fallen into the hands of the enemy passed through all the harrowing experiences of prison life that they should meet such a fate when almost in the embrace of friends at home seemed doubly sad we left vicksburg in the evening after supper the clerk and myself had quite a chat and he seemed to take quite an interest in having me relate some of my prison experiences i broke in on his questioning to find out how many there were on board the boat the sultana was one of the largest boats on the mississippi river the clerk replied that if we arrived safe at cairo it would be the greatest trip ever made on the western waters as there were more people on board than were ever carried on one boat on the mississippi river he stated that there were two thousand four hundred soldiers one hundred citizen passengers and a crew of about eighty in all over two thousand five hundred we arrived at memphis tennessee at about ten o'clock at night april twenty sixth i retired to my stateroom and the last that i remember they were taking on coal i was wakeful and commenced to plan what i would do in case of an accident to the boat there were so many passengers on board that there would be great excitement i decided that in case of a fire i would get off the boat as soon as possible i then went to sleep i learned after the accident that it was about three o'clock in the morning of the twenty seventh of april eighteen sixty five in dark and misting rain when about seven or eight miles above memphis and near the cluster of islands called the hen and chickens that one of the boilers of the boat exploded and the boat burned to the water's edge the first i knew after going to sleep i found myself laying on the opposite side of the cabin from my stateroom about the middle of the boat the steam was rushing up all about me and the fire was starting the boat from midway forward was all torn to fragments and this was the part of the boat that was occupied by the boys back of me the chandelier in the ladies room was burning brightly i got up and started to the rear of the boat through the ladies cabin passed a lady who was putting a second set of life preservers on a little child this was the only child on board when i reached the railing at the rear of the boat after assisting a lady to throw overboard her trunk i laid off my heavy army shirt that i might not be encumbered by its heavy weight in the water and overboard i started before i reached the water something was thrown over that hit me and down i went under the water as i came up a drowning man caught me round the neck with a death grip and under we went the second time for me as we sank i strangled i now passed through the same experience that only a drowning person or those about to drown undergo in those few seconds of time my whole life from my childhood down to that terrible moment passed before me like a panorama with perfect distinctness as we came to the surface i freed myself from his deadly grasp and struck out for myself i now took account of stock and found all i possessed of this world's goods was a string around each ankle 
as i did not want to be weighed down with a garment that was afloat and fastened to the strings i swam with one hand at a time and with the other hand broke the strings when about three or four hundred yards away from the boat the whole heaven seemed to be lighted up by the conflagration hundreds of my comrades were fastened down by the timbers of the decks and had to burn while the water seemed to be one solid mass of human beings struggling with the waves the light and the screams at this time cannot be described out of twenty-five hundred only about six hundred were rescued and about two hundred of the rescued died soon after from the injuries received at the time of the accident most all on board were from the middle and western states the adjutant general of the state of michigan in reporting for the last year of the war refers to the sultana explosion as being the greatest calamity of the war a great many michigan men were on board and lost i swam about four miles and came to an island covered with timber i climbed a tree and the water surrounding it was about ten feet deep now when i hear persons talking about being hard up i think of my conditions at that time up in a tree in the middle of the mississippi river a thousand miles from home not one cent to my name nor a pocket to put it in and to contrast my appearance then with my face scratched and swollen my weight about one hundred pounds with my appearance today reminds me of two irishmen who on meeting each thought he recognized an old acquaintance afterwards found they were mistaken and one said to the other you thought it was me and i thought it was you but be jabbers it is neither of us i was about to close and leave myself up a tree after remaining in the tree about four hours a boat came along and took me off was mustered out of the service on the sixth of may eighteen sixty five my present post office address is cannon city colorado end of section twenty one